Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Well, good evening. Welcome to our Facebook live feed. I hope it works out for us tonight. We had some problems Sunday. I'm still not sure exactly what happened. Our tech man is going to let us know this week, but uh, I may have sabotaged it myself. I might have hit a button that uh, I wasn't supposed to hit before it was turned on. So we'll find out, but hopefully it's working good now. Throw me up a heart or a, a thumbs up or something so I know somebody's there. Uh, what happened was I started having hats and glasses and beard and mustache were showing up on me. <laughs> and uh, so we thought we were hacked, so we cut the feed before, you know, maybe they put something on the bottom or something that would embarrass the church. So that's the name of that tune. But hopefully we're working good now and uh, we get it straightened out by this Sunday. Anyway, we've been talking about love for the last couple of Wednesdays. I want to continue talking about that tonight. And so far, we've learned several different degrees of intensities of love is in the Bible. In other words, uh, you know, the English language has one word for love, and we love everything with that one word, pizza and fried chicken and our wife and our dog and all of that stuff. But in the Greek language, the original language that it was written in, uh, we looked at at least four of the words yesterday. I think there's a couple more, but we just looked at four last week, rather, uh, or the week before. I'm, I'm not sure which, but uh, uh, we learned that there's different degrees and different intensities of love. So we can define how much we love pizza compared to how much we love our spouse or how much we love our pet because uh, we have the choice of words to use. Uh we learned that this is a type of love that we're commanded to love one another with as well. It's called agape love. It's the highest degree of love. It's the highest kind of love. And uh, I want us to look at John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Uh, St. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you too are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love and unselfish concern for one another. Some people think the new commandment is to judge one another, but I'm pretty sure it says love here. It doesn't say that he gives us a new commandment to judge one another. He says to love one another. And he also said it's not a suggestion. He said that this is a commandment, and Jesus himself gave this commandment, the head of the church. So how should we love one another? Just as he has loved us, just as he has agaped us, we'd agape uh, one another, the highest degree of love. And, and why is this so important? Because that's our witness that we love him, and that's our witness to God. Uh, that we love God. So we're commanded by the Lord to love our brothers and sisters. And uh, the way that we're to love one another is just as he has loved us, agape love, unconditional love. And we're also supposed to love our neighbors as well. He said, love your neighbors as yourself. So one of the first things we 
have to learn before we can love others is how to receive love for ourselves, how to, how to love ourselves. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't even love themselves, so they find it very difficult to love other people. And uh, I believe that's why God gave us his love. And when we were born again, he put his love into our hearts. And sometimes we have to love by faith, but the love is in there. And uh, you can't give love or for that matter, anything else, if you never received it or you don't have it yourself because you just can't give something that you don't have. Uh, for example, in Acts chapter uh, three, Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer and there was a lame man laying at the gate called Beautiful, and the Bible says he was begging. And Peter said to the lame man, look on us. And he looked up expecting to receive something, but Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that old boy just leaped up, stood, and entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. So he obeyed the word of God, and he was healed. I mean, totally healed. But my point is this. Peter couldn't give him something that he didn't have. The man was looking for silver and gold, and Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, so obviously I can't give it to you. But such as I have, give I thee. And uh, what Peter had was way more precious than silver and gold. He had the word of God and he had Jesus. And so he gives the man Jesus and Jesus healed him. That silver and gold wouldn't have, wouldn't have healed him. It may have, it may have fed him for a day or two, may have uh, paid some of his bills for uh, a short time, but it couldn't heal him. And so I uh, thank God that Peter gave him what he had. But if Peter didn't have Jesus, he would have never been able to give it to the uh, beggar at the, at the gate called Beautiful. But there's a major principle here, and that is this. If you don't have it, you can't give it. No matter how bad you like to, how bad you want to, you can't give something that you don't have. And whether it's love or patience or compassion or kindness or forgiveness or uh, money or anything else, you can't give what you don't have. And so it's important that we study the Word of God. We make sure we got the Word in us so that when something comes up or somebody needs something from us, if nothing else, we can give them the Word. Hallelujah. In John chapter 15, and this is what we want to study tonight, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. I'm going to read this in the New King James Version. Jesus says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And we know that word abide means to take up residence or to dwell in my love. The Living Bible says, live within my love. And verse 10 says, if you keep my commandments or obey his word, be a doer of the word, you will abide in my love just as I kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. In other words, being a doer of the word is walking in love. When you're doing the word, you're walking in love. When you're walking in love, you're doing the word. So uh, verse 11 says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And, and some of you have lost your joy because you're not living in love. And as a result, you're constantly living in strife. And there's no joy in that. 
And uh, then verse 12 said, this is my commandment. In other words, I demand you that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. If you're a doer of the word, you are his friend. And this word friend in the Bible, whenever you see the word friend in the Bible, especially in the Hebrew culture, it has to do with covenant. And so another way of saying this is, you are in covenant with me when you obey my word. And, uh, you know, we obeyed the word one day and we believed in our heart, Jesus is Lord. We confessed with our mouth that God raised him from the dead. We did his word. We obeyed what he said to do. And as a result, we entered into covenant with him. That's why they call it a new covenant. But we're in covenant with Jesus. We're his friends. We're actually a friend of God. Hallelujah. Uh, you can't have a better friend. But then he says in verse 15, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. See, a friend doesn't keep secrets. As a matter of fact, your friends usually tell you secrets and you share your secrets with your friends. And then he said in verse 16, 16 you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And then he says again, these things I command you that you love one another. He keeps mentioning that, so uh, it must be important. I mean, he keeps saying that we love one another and that we also that we love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, verse 13 is interesting because it tells us how to measure our love. You know, Pastor Flint in uh, Freeport, or he lives in Madison, Wisconsin, but his church is in Freeport. He was preaching on measurements and stuff. And, you know, uh, we're always looking to measure somebody. We're always looking to measure things. And so Jesus tells us how to measure our love. I think that'd be a pretty good ruler. He said, the greatest love is shown when a person lays down his life for his friends. And it's not talking about literally dying for someone, although that is exactly what Jesus did for us. But it's more, more or less talking about when you're willing to lay your life aside, stop what you're doing to help someone else or to put someone else first, that's laying your life down for a friend. And Jesus left his home in heaven, took time out of his life, came down here, gave his life for us, humbled himself and became in the form of man, suffered and died for us. He gave everything that he had for us. That's what you call laying down your life for a friend. And he, he physically died for us. He's not asking us to physically die for someone. But what he's saying is put your life aside and help someone. Do something for them. It's something unselfish for somebody else. And in uh, 1 John 3.16, this is in the International Children's Bible. Yeah, I read that once in a while, too. Uh, but he says, this is how we know what real love is. Jesus gave his life for us, so we should give our lives for our brothers. And again, he's talking about, you know, laying down our lives in the sense that we put ours aside once in a while and we do something unselfish for somebody else. And so he's telling us, this is how we know what real love is. This is how we measure love. 
is how much we do for other people, laying our lives aside so that we could do something for somebody else. John said real love is basically defined by giving. We talked about that already a couple times. For God so loved the world that he gave. So, uh, you know, proving your love is by giving. And, and giving our lives, like I said, doesn't necessarily mean we have to die because you're no good to anybody if you're dead. Uh, it also means indeed and truth. In other words, it's by doing something for somebody else. And when you put someone else first, you're laying down your life and you're setting it aside. You're overcoming your own selfishness to help somebody else. And that's what it's all talking about. And love is not just saying, I love you. There's more to it than that. Love is an action word. Love does something. It's action that backs up saying it. So love has to be proven, and it's proven through giving. And we learned last week that giving is the greatest expression of love. Like I said, John 3.16 is proof positive. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So he gave all that he had. He gave us uh, the best of heaven. He gave us the glory of heaven. He sent down uh, Jesus himself, and he demonstrated his love. And of course, Jesus demonstrated his love by voluntarily coming. But remember, real love, uh, John said, the God kind of love that I'm talking about tonight is not a feeling. It's a choice. And with this kind of love, uh, when you choose to love somebody with the love of God, the gopi type of love, then you can love them when you have bad feelings. You can love them when you've been hurt. You can love them uh, when someone doesn't love you back. And you can love them when you don't feel like loving them at all. Because it's, it's God's love that you're using. It's God's love on the inside of you. And, and uh, love, like I said, love is not a feeling. It's a choice. And it's followed by giving and laying down your life for another. Show me someone that's full of the love of God and I will show you a giver. And, and I'm not just talking about money or material things either. I know people automatically go to that and they think, oh, he's talking about money. He's talking about giving material things away. But, you know, uh, giving money and material things is a good indication of where your heart is. Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. So we have to be careful where our treasures are stored up at, you know. Jesus should be our treasure, and that's where our heart should be. God should be our treasure. Uh, Jesus is that pearl of great price. Uh, but if you have a hard time giving money and material things, then you'll have a hard time with all of your giving. You'll have a hard time in other areas of giving. But uh, when I say it's not just talking about money or material things, it's also talking about giving freely your love, your forgiveness, your compassion, your time, your talents, your wisdom, your experience, giving your shoulder to somebody to cry on and your ear for them to talk to. And yes, at times, even money is necessary or material things are necessary. You can give them money. You can give them a car. You can buy them a bag of groceries. You can pay for their gas at the fuel pump. You can pay for the car behind you at Chick-fil-A or at Starbucks. There's all kinds of ways that you can give. But did you know God tells us specifically what kind of giver that we should be? Uh, and the kind of giver that he requires us to be, and why he wants us to be givers. And I think this would be valuable for us to spend a few minutes here 
In 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verses 5 through 11, God tells us what kind of giver he wants us to be. And he tells us how we should give. And he tells us where we should give from. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 5, I'm, re I'm reading in the Amplified Classified Edition this time. He says, that is why I thought it necessary to urge these brethren to go to you before I do and make arrangements in advance for this bountiful promised gift of yours so that it may be ready, not as an extortion, something that was wrung out of you, but as a generous and willing gift. Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Here we have the law of sowing and reaping or giving and receiving, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you receive in proportion to your giving. You reap in proportion to your giving. So then he says, let each one give. Now he's going to tell us how he wants us to give. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purposed in his heart not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. That's the kind of giver that God loves. And, and but So what happens if I'm the type of giver that God has just described here? Verse 8 tells it. It says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance, so that you may always and under all circumstances, and whatever the need be, self-sufficient, or whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnish in abundance for every good work, and charitable donation. In other words, God will see to it that you always have more than enough for yourself and plenty left over to help others. That is the definition of being rich. And then verse 9 says, And as it, as it is written, he, the benevolent person, the giving person, the one God described in verse 7, scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower, he doesn't give everybody seed, he gives it to the one he knows is going to sow it, and bread for eating. So in other words, you'll not only get seed to sow, but he'll also give you bread to eat. And will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity, or love. In the King James, uh, they use the word charity for love. And then verse 11, 11 says, Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way, so that you can be generous... And your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. So God loves a cheerful giver, prompt to do it giver. Uh, he doesn't want us to give reluctantly or to moan over our giving. And, uh, when it, and when it comes to giving, he wants us to give gladly out of our heart without hesitation and without reluctance and without complaining. 
And he doesn't want us given just because he told us to be givers. He wants us to be givers because we want to be givers, because he's a giver and he, we have his nature living in us. And, uh, you know, like at church, when I ask for volunteers for a church project and someone hides behind the chair in front of them, then I really don't want that person to volunteer. Why? Because I know uh, their heart is not going to be in it. And I don't really want them to help me because, they're, you know, if you don't want to do something, then I don't want you doing it. And God is the same way. He doesn't want you giving for the wrong reasons. He wants you giving out of your heart because you love him and because you want to be a giver and you want to demonstrate his love to others. But the one that immediately raises his hand and says, I'll be there, I'll help you. That's the one I want helping me because I know in his heart he wants to be a helper. He wants to do something for the Lord. And that's the type of worker that I'm looking for. That's the type of person I'm looking for. Someone that's right in their heart. Yeah, the other guy gets the job done, but he don't want to be there and it's not in his heart. So, you know, uh, and God's the same way with money. If you're going to give reluctantly or you're going to help someone reluctantly and complain about it, uh, you might as well keep your money because God's not going to credit your account with that kind of money. But it's the same thing with giving. You can always tell when someone really doesn't want to give something because they hesitate and they give it reluctantly. And, and this is the type of person God is saying, keep your money. You're going to need it because I can't help you. I can't give you a harvest. I can't make things abound to your account. And, and you can tell they really don't want to give it because they don't want to let it go. It's, it's you know, you could tell their heart isn't right. I remember my, my brother-in-law, George, <laughs> uh, God rest his soul. He's in heaven enjoying his heavenly reward right now. But he used to tease our kids all the time when they were little. He'd hold out five bucks and he'd say, hey, you want five bucks? And of course, they'd say, yeah. And, and But when they reached for it, he would slowly pull it back. Every time they reach, he'd pull it back, you know, like he didn't want to give it. He'd keep it just out of their reach. And uh, he acted like it hurt to let it go. But he was just doing it for a laugh. And he actually had a heart of gold. And he would literally give you the shirt off of his back. But he'd do the same thing at a, at a restaurant. We'd go out to eat after church or something. And the bill would come. And he'd be the first one to say, let me get it. Let me get it. Well, the problem was he had Tyrannosaurus Rex arms and they just, he could never reach it. <laughs> but again, he was just doing it for a laugh. But, you know, when you give or do something with hesitation and reluctance, the Bible calls that vain giving. And there's no reward in that because what kind of giver does God like? A cheerful, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. That's the main thing. He wants your heart in your giving. Uh, it's not the outward act of giving. It's what's in your heart that causes you to give. That's what God is interested in. He don't look on the outward appearance of man. He looks on the heart. And, and why is that the kind of a giver that God loves? Because that's the only one that's going to get a harvest. That's the only one who's going to reap. Uh, he wants to see us blessed. And, and that's why he wants us to be a giver so that he can bless us. Uh, let me give you one more example, and then we'll move on with our, our lesson on walking in love. Philippians 4, 16 through 19. This will be an amplified, classified edition again. 
And this is Paul talking to the church of Philippi. He says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my needs. Not only once, but a second time. Apparently, Paul has needs. You know, he's out preaching the gospel. He's a missionary and everything. And so uh, the, uh, the church of Thessalonica obviously took up an offering and they sent it to him. Not once, but twice. And he says, not that I seek or am eager for your gift, but I do seek and am eager for the fruit which increases to your credit, the harvest of blessing that is accumulating to your account. Yes, I appreciate the offering. Yes, I benefited from the offering. It was a great help, but that's not what I'm praising God for. What I'm praising God for is the giving that you did is going to be credited to your account and you're going to have a harvest of blessing accumulating to that account. In other words, your sowing is going to cause you to have a harvest for you to reap. And then in verse 18, it says, But I have your full payment and more. I have everything I need and am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent me. Apparently, Epaphroditus is the one who brought him the offerings. And he says that they are the fragrant odor of an offering and sacrifice which God welcomes and in which he delights. God delights in that type of giving. And then verse 19, he says, and, and when he says and, that means that it's in conjunction with something else that was said. So and what? And because you supplied my need, my God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's no way that you can outgive God. Now, if you give out of a good heart, you're a prompt to do giver, your heart is in your giving, then you are guaranteed a harvest because what you're doing is planting seed by your giving. And Genesis tells us every seed after its own kind. In other words, you plant an apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree. You're not going to get an orange tree or a peach tree. Every seed after its own kind. You know, a lot of people are lacking in in uh, love. A lot of people are lacking in forgiveness. A lot of people are lacking in kindness. And one of the reasons is because you never sowed seeds of kindness, seeds of love, seeds of forgiveness. If you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive. If you want to be loved or receive love from others, you have to love others. And you need to do it first. If you want a harvest of anything, you have to plant a seed for that harvest. And it's the same thing with giving money or material uh, things. You know, uh, I, I told this before, not to be braggadocious, but my wife and I have given away at least four cars, and we gave away four good cars. But you know what? I have always had a new car sitting in my driveway. Matter of fact, we got two of them. We have always had goodly cars. I ain't talking about junk. We've always had goodly cars sitting in our driveway because we sowed seeds. We will never do without a car. And the reason is, is because we sowed seeds of cars and we will always have a harvest of cars coming in. It's the same thing with money. We will never be broke. We will always have more than enough and plenty left over to give to others and to support the church, support the ministries and everything. Why? Because we have sown for years seeds of money. So, you know, the thing that you're lacking, you, you need to start giving. You need to start sowing seeds in that area that you're lacking. 
Uh, it's the same thing with healing. Do you know that you can sow seeds of healing in your heart by re reading scriptures about healing, like by the stripes of Jesus we're healed, and uh, uh, I am the God that healeth thee? I pray you're starting to understand how important it is to demonstrate your love through giving. But anyway, God tells us we're to live within his love, that we're to abide or take up residence in his love. And how do we live in his love? By obeying his commandments, he said. By being a doer of the word, he says we should actually live out of our hearts because that's where his love is. In Proverbs 4.20 uh, through 23, it says, My son, my daughter, attend to my words. In other words, Look to my words, pay attention to my words, read my words, hear my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep his words in the midst of thine heart. Why? For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it the heart are the issues of life. Out of your heart flow the issues of life. Uh, so uh, where are we supposed to live? He said in his love. You live in his love by living in here in your heart. And this is where you find love, joy, happiness, and peace of mind. And, you know, uh, people thought for years that it, uh, where they live geographically is going to determine whether or not they're happy. And uh, But here's the problem. You actually live inside yourself. You live in your heart before you live anywhere else, environmentally or geographically. And it's what's going on in your heart, how you're living in your heart, that's going to determine the environment that you live in on the outside. And a lot of people have actually moved geographically and uh, from one place to another. They've even changed jobs because they think it will make them happy, but it usually doesn't. They think if I can just get a new start somewhere else where I don't know these people and they don't know me and, you know, then I'll be happy. But it never works out that way because they get to where they're going and they find out that they're there. And, uh, you know, uh, because you actually live in your heart, it doesn't make any difference where you go. It's going to be the same because you're taking whatever's in your heart, you're taking with you to the new place. And if... Uh, you're happy in your heart and you have peace in your mind, then you'll be happy wherever you go. You'll have peace of mind wherever you go. But if you're unhappy in your heart and you don't have peace of mind uh, wherever it is you're living and you move somewhere else thinking that you're going to find happiness and peace of mind, you won't find it because it's in your heart and that's where you should be living. And, uh, you know, we think it's the environment around us or the place we're living that makes us happy and it does contribute, but that's not what really makes you happy. That's not what gives you peace and joy in your heart uh, because if you don't have it there, it doesn't make any difference where you live, you'll never be happy. And, and I, I can prove this because of statistics that say that, you know, rich people basically have everything they could possibly want. They have big mansions, they have cars, they have plenty of money, they have all the toys that they want and everything. And yet they commit suicide at double the rate of your average person or what we would call a poor person. And why is that uh, if they have everything that they could possibly want or imagine? Uh, it's because they're not happy in here where it counts. They have no peace up here where it counts. 
And, you know, we try to change our surroundings, and that's not what needs to change. It's what's on the inside of you that has to change. You need some adjustments in your heart and uh, before you can have happiness and peace anywhere else. You have to live right in your heart. And, and you know, relationships fail and marriages fail and people blame it all on different sorts of things. And But it's actually a heart condition that caused it. Uh, if you're not living right in here in your heart, uh, and then you're not going to be happy no matter where you go or what happens around you because poor conditions or poor living conditions in your heart where are the issues of life uh, are poor living conditions around you. You'll take them with you everywhere you go. And, and the thing that we really have to work on is our heart. If our heart isn't right, then nothing else is going to seem right. Uh, the things that bother us in our heart will bother us anywhere we go. If we don't have peace of mind here, we're not going to have peace of mind when we get to where we think we're going to get it. And, and so he's telling us we should be living in his love. And his love is where there's fullness of joy. His joy will be made full in us. And he said, live in my love. That love is in your heart because Paul told us in Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And so love is the key to having the fullness of joy. Uh, we need to work on our love walk. We need to work on the condition of our heart uh, because, and it comes from reading the word. You want to improve your heart? Read the word. Uh, don't let it depart from your eyes. Get it in the, in the heart, in your heart. Uh, keep it in the midst of thee, uh, for out of it are the issues of life. So if you want to live life and you want to live it to, to uh, the fullness that it's intended to be lived, because God's, Jesus came to give us life and that more abundantly, not just life, but abundant life. And if you want to experience that kind of life, then you got to live it out of here. If you're living it out of your heart, then I don't care where you go, you're going to live Full, you're going to have fullness of joy, and you're going to be living out of your heart, and that works anywhere. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. Love is a wonderful thing. Lord, you shed your love abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, which was given to us. So we know your love is in us. When we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, our nature changed, and we took on the nature of God. And you are not just a God that loves, but you are love. And your love is in us, and we have it in us, so we know how to live. If we walk in love and live out of our hearts, we'll find happiness, peace of mind, and fullness of joy everywhere that we go. And we know it's your desire that we spread this love, and we spread this joy and this happiness and this peace of mind to other people, because it is contagious. And it's like Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. If I've got your love in my heart, I've got your happiness and fullness of joy in my heart and your peace of mind, uh, then I can spread that. I can give that to others because I have it. If I don't have it, I can't give it. So we thank you and praise you that you've given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now help us to uh, have the boldness to share them with everybody else that we come in contact with, with our neighbors and our brothers and sisters. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Give you the praise and glory for it. Amen and amen. Well, thanks for joining us. I don't know what I said wrong tonight. We'll probably try to research it and see what it is. Sometimes I 
feel like I'm being picked on a little bit, you know what I mean? Like a cornbread muffin in a chicken coop. But we'll find out, and uh, I I'm really trying to be good because I've been in jail a couple of different times. <laughs> I mean, Facebook jail. I haven't been actually in jail, but Facebook jail. So I I'm really trying to watch my P's and Q's here. So we love you, and we appreciate you, and we will see you Sunday. God bless you. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.